Okay, Philippians, the book of Philippians, the letter of Philippians in, in the New Testament. I think it's one of my favorite letters because it's one of the shortest. <laughs> and like many of you, when you were required to read a book in an English class, the first thing you did was look to see how many pages and how big the print was. Can I get an amen in the room? You know what I'm talking about. You were, and and if, it was, if the book was too thick and the, and the words were too small, you went and bought the cliff notes. I think they call them spark notes these days. I don't know what they call them, but um, we, we don't call it cheating. We just call it helping, <laughs> selective helping. And um, so Philippians is a, is a shorter uh, letter. It's, it's so, um, there's so many of Paul's famous one-liners and chapter four, which we're gonna, we're gonna focus on today, there's just so much good here. And I'm so excited about it. And I could probably talk about it for about an hour. I promise you I won't do that. But there's just so much good here. And I wanna challenge us. I wanna spend some time thinking through just um, four different pieces of it as we get there. Now, to, to catch us up, remember, Paul is writing from prison. And he is, he's waiting to be tried and potentially put to death and he's writing to one of his favorite groups of Christians, uh, one of the very first churches that, that he really got off the ground uh, in, in Philippi. And if you'll remember, Philippi was a little city that was taken over by the Romans, and it became a colony. And I, I mentioned this last week, that when Paul writes a couple of different times, you're citizens of heaven, he's specifically addressing the people there who are thinking they are, are citizens of Rome and they have to give their allegiance to Rome and to Caesar and they believe that Caesar is a god and that he is their savior. That, that's their, their thought. And so when Paul's writing about Jesus being a savior, he's, he's, he's speaking language that they'll understand and he's saying, no, no, you're not citizens necessarily of Rome. You are temporarily, maybe, but you're citizens of heaven, so act like it. Give your allegiance to God first and foremost. Like, plant yourself in Jesus. So he, he's, he's continuing to talk about that. Just a quick rundown of where we've been and, and where we're going today. Um, it's a letter of joy. So joy throughout the letter, you'll find. And he encourages us to choose joy, which is something we can do. When we think of God, we should think of personal grace and peace. And I've been asking you this and challenging you to think personally. Do you believe that God is a God of grace and peace for you personally? Not just, not just back away, big picture, 30,000 foot view. Now that is true, but do you believe God is a God of grace and peace for you? Because Paul wants to plant that and he wants to form a people in that grace and peace. And I want us to be that too. That when we think of God, the first thing we think about is grace and peace. And, and he begins his letter like that. He'll, he'll end his letter a little bit like that as well. And then um, one of the things that he talks about is that God is the one who begins the good work in us, and this God who begins the good work won't walk away. He's not going to quit on us. Aren't you glad that God doesn't quit on you? Man, I'm so thankful for that, and I've loved my, planting myself in this book for four weeks so I could be reminded again and again and again that God will never give up on me. As much as I mess it up, as much as I make mistakes, as much as I do do things that I don't want to do? Have you ever done anything that you don't want to do? Anyone in the room? Have you found yourself doing something and said, oh, I wish I didn't do that, and you still do it? And here's the deal. God will not give up on you. 
He's the God who began a good work in you, and he is the God who will not quit. That work will continue by his Holy Spirit, and Paul encourages us to cooperate with that Holy Spirit, to work with that Holy Spirit. So he's the God who began a good work, who won't give up. He talks about our attitudes and the attitudes we bring to the table, and uh, attitude is so important in life. And one of the things that he talks about is that we should have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had, which is one of humility. And I think this is so vital in our current cultural moment, that we would be a a people of humility, that that we would see others as better than ourselves, that we would not be working for just our own good all the time, but we would work to use our gifts to serve other people. Um, I love it. I I, um, just yesterday, I watched a lot of football. And in between some football, I didn't want to watch the commentators, and so I switched over. There was this other show on, and it was, it's called uh, The True South, and they were talking about this restaurant in Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, this restaurant, they, they were talking about um, the, the, the people who, it, it's like good southern cooking. You know, everything's fried, and, and there's a lot of greens, and some of you would not like it there. I would love it there. And... Um, the, the, the person who started it, their family, they, they wanted to run the restaurant to help fund a, a local church. And then one of the brothers worked in the sanitation department, and they were uh, interviewing the sister. And the sister was like, my, my, my grandparents and my parents taught us from the very beginning that the best thing you can ever do in life is serve other people. And a lot of people don't want to work in the sanitation department, but I think it's one of the best jobs you could ever hold because every single day, all you do is help other people with something that they need. And I thought, preach. I, I wanted to get it and put it on the screen for you all because that's true. And, and, and then she said, everyone who walks into my restaurant, into our restaurant, We're simply here to serve them, so it doesn't matter if they're homeless, if they have a lot or have a little, we simply are here to serve them and what they need, and that's the best way to live life. And I thought, that's Paul. That's what Paul's talking about. You should have the same attitude as as Jesus Christ, which is one of humility. We're here to serve other people. And and then last week, we talked about identity and, and how Paul's talking so much about how he used to think all these things were really important, but now he, he considers them garbage compared to knowing Jesus, like that his identity now is wrapped up in Jesus. And so this next slide, I gave you some things to think about, like where do you find your identity? And I heard some, about some good conversations that were going on uh, in homes and in groups about this. Where do we find our identity? Like where is it that we think we, we are made at, as people, as better people, Is it our success, our accomplishments, our abilities, our gifts, accumulated goods, our outward selves or our external selves, our relationships? I mean, at some point in life, we have to realize where we are focusing on building who we are, our identity. Where are those things wrapped up? And Paul's saying it should be wrapped up in Christ. Okay, here we go. I finally made it to this week. I told you, I can just get going on this letter. It's such a great letter. So here we go. Here's how he begins uh, this section of of the letter. He says, always be full of joy in the Lord. And I'm going to say it again, rejoice. Like he comes back to it again and again and again and again. And you would say, Paul, you're in prison. You may be put to death. And he's like, it doesn't matter. Be full of joy in the Lord. You can choose, no matter your external circumstances, you can choose joy in your life. 
Um, sometimes it drives my wife crazy when I say that. I say, choose joy. Choo- choose joy. And she's like, well, choose not to be like that. <laughs> <laughs> choose joy. I, I, I made a little list. And um, choose joy. How do we choose joy? Lead with joy. Live with joy. Always joy. How can you lead with joy in your life? In the morning when you get up, how can you make a decision to root yourself in Christ in such a way that when you enter into your day, whether that's work or play uh, or clean, whatever it is that you have to do, that you enter into your day with joy? How can you bring joy at the forefront? And that's what Paul is doing, and that's what he's encouraging in us. And listen, Church, I can't tell you exactly how to do it, but I know because we're instructed to do it that we can choose to do it. We can, we can choose joy in life. And I just wonder if you had to sum up uh, your primary attitude or the way that you're addressing life or walking into life, would joy be one of the first words that you choose about who you are? Would you choose that for yourself? Would you choose bitter? Better yet, the people who know you best, how would they choose to describe you in life? Would, would they use the word joy? Would they use the word bitter? Would they use the word angry? Like what word would they use if you were to say, hey, sum up, like, my atti- like how do you view my attitude from the outside? What would they say? I think joy should be on the forefront based on what Paul is instructing us to do, that joy should be something that just is at the forefront of who we are. And it doesn't mean that we walk through life ignoring the pain and the challenges and because Paul also is the one who says mourn with those who mourn. Like he's not saying just like walk around like happy all the time. He's just saying choose joy. Don't let your circumstances determine your emotions. Choose joy. And then he goes on. And he, he says, don't worry about anything. And I say, time out. Paul must not know what we have to deal with in today's world. He must be disconnected from reality. Come on. He, can, like, he wouldn't say that. Like, we live on anxiety. What do you mean, don't worry about anything? Don't worry about anything. Look what he says. Instead, pray about everything. And he tells us, if instead of worrying, if, if when worrying bubbles up in our life, anxiety bubbles up in our life, if we will turn that into prayers, that God's peace will begin to rule over our lives. How awesome is that? <clears throat> this week, there was an article, maybe some of you saw it, and it was talking about how anxiety is at a, kind of an all-time high in our world. Anxiety meds are at an all-time high in our world. And there was a study, a long-term study done, and it said that um, it's been proven now that mindfulness or meditation can have as powerful effect on our anxiety as meds can. Now, I'm not saying that meds aren't important at times. Don't hear what I'm not saying here. What the study is revealing is how you, you fix your mind, what you do with your mind can have an incredible impact on the worry and anxiety in your life. This is a study disconnected from the Bible or Christianity, but it's something that Paul said 2,000 years ago. Like, they're catching up with what Paul was suggesting 
that if you can, rather than fix your mind on what you're worried about or what causes anxiety, if you can turn that to prayer, mindfulness, meditation, turn it to prayer, to God, specifically to God, it's not just, you know, some weird mindfulness, it's like a specific focused prayer, that if we can do that, we will experience what? God's peace. It will guard our hearts and mind. Look at that. Like Paul's writing 2,000 years ago. Do you find this amazing? That current science is beginning to like recognize something that we have in Scripture from a couple thousand years ago? You should read your, your Bible. I don't know what you just said. Did you say stinking Bible? I don't know why you would say that. You should read your Bible. Because there's, there's things in there that are true and they help us. And so, I, you know, I was, I was thinking about this, this idea of, of worrying and, and anxiety and all that. And, and the truth is that no matter what it is that you worry about, if it's important to you, it's important to God. It matters to God. Everything. Everything that causes you worry, anything that might bring up anxiety in your life, that, that God wants to hear about that from you. Now, he already knows it. But he wants you to trust him with it. Like he wants you to turn it toward him. And, and so if, if it matters to you, if it causes worry or anxiety in your life, like what do you have to lose than to try to turn that in a, in a mindful way and, and give it to God in prayer? Like, like just try it this week. And so my, one of my questions um, for you today is what is weighing you down? Like right now, in this moment, like like in this current season that you're in, what is it that is weighing you down? For some of you, there's some heavy things going on at work and in your vocation. For some of you, it's, it's, uh, it's in retirement. There's some things that you didn't expect. I, I've talked to a few people recently who said, you know, I didn't, I didn't anticipate my retirement would be like this. And there's some things in that retirement that are causing you some anxiety and stress and worry. For some of you, it's that we're entering into the holiday season and family is going to be around. <laughs> and so it like raises the worry and the anxiety to a new level. Don't nudge people next to you, but it's true, isn't it? Like whatever it is, is there a way that we can practice what Paul's encouraging us to do, to take that worry, take that anxiety, and simply in a mindful way shift that towards God and pray? And if we can do that, if we can practice that, if we can learn to do that, now it's one thing to read it, it's another thing to do it. We have to try it. We have to practice it. That's, that's part of the, the pieces that we gotta put in place. Okay, so what weighs you down, maybe write it down, and every time you write it down, try to just turn to God in prayer. Okay, one final thought, Paul says. It's interesting, Paul's like a preacher because he says one final thought, but then he has like five. So <laughs> I have two more, but one final thought, Fix your mind on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And again, he comes back to this, that if, you, if we can do this, the God of peace will be with us. If, if we can fix our minds on the good, on the true, on the pure. I don't know if, if you're like me, but one of the things that I really struggle with is I like to write stories for other people in my mind. Do you ever do this? Like someone says something, and they don't mean it in a negative way, but goodness, I can write a terrible story about what they think about me in my mind. Have you ever, have you ever done that? Like someone just texted you a quick yes, but nothing else, 
and you're thinking to yourself, well, why didn't they do yes with a smiley face or a thumbs up or a fist pump? Like, why was it just yes? They must be mad at me. I must, like, you start writing a story in your mind. Any, does anybody else do that or is that just me? Okay, thank you. I'm not alone. Some of you are like, that's just you. Why? Because you have peace. You fix your mind on the good. So now the reality is I think we all do this in, in different ways. But what we tend to, where we tend to put our mind, what we fix our mind on, um, over, over time begins to set our attitude and the way that we live life. And it's one of the reasons I think Paul like, is tying all this together. Like choose joy. When you worry, pray and fix your mind on the good, because when you fix your mind on the good, what does it lead? It leads you back to joy. It's like this circular pattern that happens, like when we, when, we, when we see how all these things fit together, when we practice these things together, it comes back around. Um, Sarah, uh, a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, um, spoke, and she was talking about this idea of, of the mind, and I said it this way, mind your mind, like you have to like pay attention to your mind, um, to fix your thoughts on, on what's true and right. You have, to, you have to pay attention to what's going on in there. And the reality is you can't control everything that comes into your mind, but you can control what your mind is fixed on. Does that make sense? Those are two very different things. I can't always control what comes into my mind, but I can control what my mind remains fixed on. And that's why Paul says, then fix your mind on what's good. So he said that was his final thought, but then he has another one, <laughs> Pastor Paul. Um, and he says this, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing, and he was living on almost nothing because he was in prison, and in prison uh, in the ancient world, they weren't provided food and, and all the things that were needed. They were chained to the wall, and they had to rely on outside help in order to eat and be sustained. And so he says, I, I've learned how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether a full stomach or empty, plenty or little. And then, this is like the athlete's favorite scripture, for I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Like, I learned that as a football player years ago, and I thought, I can make it through the fourth quarter, for I can do all things through Christ. That's not actually what Paul was talking about. It works well in the athletic kind of mindset, but it's not what he's talking about. Here's what Paul is talking about, is that no matter what comes my way, I can get through it because of what God provides to me. Like, no matter what comes up, like, we can make it through. We, we can, you can get through whatever it is that you're facing with God's strength. That, that's what Paul's talking about. Whether you have a little or a lot, whether you're full of, of happiness and joy right now or pain and you're mourning something significant in your life. So it's, it's this idea of contentment. And the, the truth is, we don't need something more to be something more. Now I want you to think about that for a minute. So many of us are chasing more because we think by getting more, we will be more. But the reality is, you don't need anything more to be more. Like God's already claimed you as his own. You're a son, you're a daughter of the most high God. You are an heir of God's kingdom, his eternal kingdom. 
Like, you don't need more to be more. You are, you are enough. Like, God sent his one and only son because he loved you that much, and he loved me that much. That's that personal side of grace and peace. I love that. And so I, I wonder, where do you need to learn, where do I need to learn that this week? Like, where, where do I need to work on contentment in my life? Where are you restless and chasing after more? Where might you need to lead, learn the, the, the secret of contentment like what Paul was talking about. Now, be careful where you seek it out. Um, so, someone once told me, be, be careful what you ask God for. Like, if you ask God for patience enough, everybody's going to come home and drive on Shea. <laughs> and he's going to work on your patience. Or when you go to the grocery store... The line that you choose, because it looks like it's the shortest line, is the line that's going to take the longest. Like, be careful what, like, where you look for contentment, because God might give you something that's, that's a challenge to get through. But the reality is, it, it might be the best thing for us. Because the more that we, we, we learn contentment, the more we're leaning into God's grace and his peace for each one of us, specifically. Now, contentment isn't, I, I want to be clear, contentment isn't laziness, it's not being apathetic, that's not what Paul's talking about. We still have to work, he, he even says that, like, like work out your, your, your salvation, like there, there's things that you have to participate and cooperate with, so it's not laziness, it's contentment. It's I don't need something more to be something more. Um, you know, one of, one of the things that I find extremely helpful when I'm, when I'm working through Scripture is to, to see some different vantage points. And Eugene Peterson um, is one of my favorite authors. Uh, he passed away a few years ago, and he wrote um, a paraphrase of the Bible called The Message. And oftentimes I'll pull out The Message and read through it because it just gives me a different perspective of the same passage that maybe I've read for years and years and years, like, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Like, I learned that years ago, so sometimes it's helpful for me to just to get a different vantage. And so I just want us to, um, to see this uh, the way that Eugene pictured it and, and wrote it for his congregation back in New York. So celebrate God all day, every day. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises or prayers and praises shape your worries into prayers, Letting God know your concerns. And before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness. I love that idea, that concept, that when we take our worry and our anxiety and we, we give it to God in prayer, before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Don't you like that, the way that he put that? It's amazing what happens when you find Christ where you used to find worry and anxiety. He goes on, summing it all up, friends, I'd say you do best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are true and noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse, like filling our minds with those things. And he goes on, I've learned by now to be quite content, whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much, with much as with little. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. That's Christ. He's the one who makes you who you are. You can make it through anything. 
And I was trying to work that out in my mind, and, and, and here's the way that I, I paraphrase that. If, if you trust God and you work with him, he will provide everything you need to get through everything you face. If you trust God, that's the faith piece. Like if you place your faith, your trust in him, and if you work with him, that means if you cooperate with his spirit, like God will give you everything you need to get through everything you face, everything. We, listen, we're all gonna face some incredibly challenging things in life. I thought there might be an amen from the room right there. Because I know some of you are walking through some really difficult things. And, and choosing joy in those difficult moments doesn't mean ignoring the pain and the challenge that's in front of you. It just means like planting yourself in the one who promises to be there all along the way. And the reality is when we do that, when we trust him, and when we cooperate with the spirit that he gives us, we will begin to find ourselves walking through the things we never thought we could walk through. And we get through, not just walking, like we find ourselves on the other side and we think, how did I ever get here? How did, how did we make it through that? Well, you make it through that by trusting the one who promises to give you everything you need to get through everything you face. That's, that's, that's what God promises us. And science is beginning to, you know, identify the reality that when we, they, they call it mindfulness. Paul's very specific, it's prayer. Like when we do that, we begin to experience something supernatural, which is God's peace resting on us and protecting us. So the, the questions for reflection this week. So the things to take with you and ask around your table uh, in the evening, I think these are always good to wrestle with, is am I consistently choosing joy no matter my circumstances? Why or why not? Why, why am I choosing joy? Why am I not choosing joy? It's a great question to to wrestle with. Is anxiety regularly paralyzing me? Or is prayer my first move when I'm overwhelmed? Why, why or why not? What, have you tried prayer? Do you think it, what you're walking through, God doesn't care about? You know, what, what is it? Why, why do you go to prayer or why do you not? What is filling my mind these days? Now, this one's tough. Like, what's filling your mind? When you, when you don't have anything else to do, what, what naturally just starts to bubble up to the surface? Like, where's your mind fixed these days? And is it good? And am I, am I constantly running after this more in life, or am I learning to be content? And what is it that's pulling me towards more? Like, what, what is that in my life, or do I trust that I'm, I'm good enough, that God loves me? Um. We're going to just give you some space to reflect and, and to think. You can, let's stand together, and we're going to sing this last song called Build My Life. It's a great song um, that's inviting God to, to kind of root us in Christ. And as we do this, uh, I want to encourage you to feel free to move around the room and, and respond. There's candles which represent God's presence. Maybe you want to light a candle and ask God to be with you. Uh, there's communion uh, in the back ring. Maybe you want to take communion to be reminded of God's love for you, um, the the, the bread and the juice uh, are reminders of, of his body which was broken, his blood which was poured out for us. There's a prayer wall in the back, and maybe you want to just write a prayer and just turn that over to God. Maybe there's some worry or an anxiety that you just want to write down whatever it is and, and just give that to God. God, in these moments, 
uh, we respond to you. And we do so uh, in a couple specific ways. We, we worship you through song. Um, we sing to you. We, we worship you and we turn to you in prayer as well, which is what Paul encouraged us to do. God, I pray that as we do that, your peace would rest on us, that your peace would begin to kind of displace our anxiety, our fear, our worry. God, thank you for loving us and for never giving up on us. In Jesus' name.